Thanks for tuning in. This is Trading Card Therapy, episode number 13. I'm your host, the doctor, Leighton Sheldon. Thanks for joining us. So uh, this week, we're going to talk about baseball card shows and how to get the most out of them. As I just went up to the Shriners Auditorium this past weekend for their annual show just outside the Boston area. Uh, it ran from Friday, Saturday, and all day Sunday. Some folks, including my buddy Joe, got there on Thursday when just a handful of dealers did check in and start to set up. So I started my journey off from New Jersey, going up the Garden State Parkway. And as part of uh, my venture, like many of us, right, we've been housebound or not traveling as much over the last 12 or 15 months because of COVID. Uh, so this time, um, instead of just heading straight to the convention, I decided to try to hit up a card shop or two on my way up. So my first stop was Sean from Dugout Dreams in Connecticut. And, um, you know, that was really fun because I've known Sean for a long time. However, I've never been to his shop before. Um, he sells anything from wax to modern singles to uh, vintage cards. And you never know what you're going to find. So I thought as part of my uh, journey, it would be great if I could, you know, check out a few additional stores on top of all the stuff I would see at the actual convention. So uh, I got to Sean's store sometime mid-afternoon uh, last Thursday and was really very excited upon entering as I saw just like a wall of wax. Um, and for those of you wondering, we have a post office individual here. Getting back to center here, I went to Sean's place and he had a customer inside there, which at first... I didn't know if I would even, you know, strike up conversation whatsoever. And they were asking me some of my opinions on the vintage market. And as I was shopping, I was also kind of talking about the hobby, which was really fun. Um, and so I wanted to make sure they didn't find what I was doing rude uh, because I had still several hours to drive uh, up to the Courtyard Marriott uh, just outside of Wilmington, which is where I was staying with, you know, a bunch of the other card show guys. Even though I didn't find any, you know, vintage gems, I always try to make the best I can out of every trip, out of every experience. And so, you know, if you were a budget collector going into Sean's uh, place, you would have done quite well with, you know, five or 10 or 20 bucks as he had, a number, he had a number of packs available for those prices, as well as singles, you know, by price uh, in his shop. Um, I was looking for mainly vintage. He didn't have a lot of that on hand. I did buy a blaster of the new Skybox Metal Universe Hockey. I bought a few other unopened items. And then these are a few of the, singles I bought, one for myself as I've been collecting uh, Kobe Bryant game used, you know, jersey cards, uh, generally the upper deck ones. So I bought this sweet shot jersey numbered out of, uh, I believe, a one and a quarter from Dugout Dreams. So I thought that was a nice addition to my collection. And then this I bought primarily for a giveaway through Vintage Breaks. It was, or it is a Nolan Ryan sweet spot signature, a very popular brand from upper deck back in the day. Uh, and of course, none uh, were not many better than Nolan Ryan. Gorgeous white uh, strip of the uh, baseball signed by Nolan. And of course, uh, coming from Upper Deck, talks about it on the back. So those were a couple of the highlights of my pickups uh, from Dugout Dreams. And spent a total of, I think, $540. So I was looking to spend a little bit more. At the same time, if you only had $5 or $10, you probably could have bought a handful of jersey cards um, and or autograph cards. Uh, as I was poking through those boxes, because you never know. Upon leaving Sean's place, I wanted to, uh, you know, either go to another card shop and my stomach was a grumbling. So I also wanted to eat. So as Sean told me, uh, there was no card shops that were near him. 
I knew of Sports World up in the Wilmington area, which I was going to try to make. We'll talk about that in just a few minutes. I decided to take his advice. I forgot the name of the place, but it was one exit up from Sean's. And apparently they call sandwiches in Connecticut grinders, which, you know, I found kind of funny because I don't really hear that terminology, you know, very much. And I only live in New Jersey, so it's not like I live across, you know, across the country. But, you know, generally we call them here uh, either subs or heroes. Oh, I like that. We're getting a suggestion from Daniel Lynch, very own break -a maniac about a store that's in Newport, Rhode Island. That's a bit off I-95. If you are watching this video and you have any tips for me about any local card shops that I should be visiting upon my journeys looking for baseball cards across the country, please let us know in the comments and I'll be happy to give you some credit if I go visit that shop. So I hit the road and I couldn't decide what grinder to get. So naturally you get two because what if one's no good? So one had to do with like some sort of meatloaf. The other one was just simple turkey, both delicious and gave me uh, plenty of food to eat on my way up uh, 84 and then 684. So in order to get the most I, I could out of my journey, I was going to try to hit up another shop. This one being Sports World run by Phil Castanetti. And it just so happened that Phil was moving places, moving his uh, facility, and was looking to get out of there about 6 o'clock that day. Um, said he'd stay a little bit longer. I had J5 from my office reach out to him. However, the traffic as I approached Boston, the Courtyard Marriott, and I didn't realize that Phil's place was about 17 minutes north of where I was going. So heading into that beast of traffic, it was just, it was not possible. So I went to uh, the hotel to check in and thought I was going to grab um, some dinner with some friends. And it turned out that they had arrived a little bit before me and already had started on their, uh, on their, uh, you know, their dinner journey. So I decided that because the Jets were playing that night and it's Mike White for president, baby, right? That I would go out uh, to a local, uh, you know, bar, local pub, a local restaurant, try to get, you know, some good eats as well as be able to watch the game. And I'd been to Capitol Grill before, big fan. Um, thought about going back there as it's not that far from where I was staying. However, wanted to try something just a little bit different and found a place called Eddie V's. No, I don't think it's Eddie Vetter. Uh, is related to it, but apparently it does have a few locations. And I went there and had some delicious uh, seafood at the bar. But even more funny is I was in between two different groups of people while the Jets came on. And I started off very much like this, like, all right, guys, you know, come on, good job. And people are looking at me like, you know, is he talking to himself? Is this man well? What's wrong with him? Um, I said, oh, I'm trying not to disturb anyone. I'm sorry. I'm just a, you know, a sickly Jets fan. They appreciated the humor. And then, of course, the injury happened, and they now understood the pain that it was to be a Jets fan as they saw it all unfold, uh, you know, before their eyes. So folks were really friendly. Uh, eats were great and, um, you know, uh, only had a drink or two because I was driving, um, you know, back to the hotel afterwards. And I also wanted to get up early the next day uh, for the show. So my first um, bit of advice, whether it be you're going to the show as a vendor whether it be you're going to the show as a customer, get there as early as possible because you never know what's going to be on the floor for sale and there's a chance it could be a good deal, right? Someone just has it for sale for the right price or they didn't adjust the price from a previous time or they just pick something up and even though they know it's worth more, they're just happy to flip it and uh, make a fair profit and move on. So when I go to a show um, as a dealer, I try to get there when it opens. However, one thing I've learned 
is if the show opens at 8 a.m. to dealers, if you get to the show at 8.02 a.m., you're not going to really have much to look at because these folks are just human beings. And if no one's set up yet, you can get time to get your coffee or get a bagel or, you know, get some eggs at the hotel um, because it does take anywhere from, I would say, 10 to 30 minutes for stuff to start hitting the tables the way you'd like, you know, in order to shop and, you know, have some fun. So I'm very methodical um, when the show opened. I was not there exactly at 8, but probably about 8.15. number of people I already know were there scouring the room. Still plenty of tables not set up yet. And I literally start down the first aisle. Um, and the reason why I do that at this show versus like where if you do that at the National, it's a little bit more difficult to keep track of everything. There's only about, I think there was about six aisles at this show. So I didn't want to forget um, where I had uh, been and what I had seen at the show. And I wanted to be very methodical. And for those out there, it doesn't matter if you have a five or $10 budget or a 500 to $1,000 budget or a five to $10,000 budget. I believe this should be your approach regardless, your first go around at a card convention. So I'm going down the first aisle. I see plenty of things that pique my interest. You know what I do? Take out my phone. I start taking pictures and I'll text myself or make a note to myself on my notepad, aisle one, uh, Joe Namath rookie, right? Table number six. I will buy, which we're going to get to in a minute, but if something is not a buy right then, I just simply make a note of it so that I can come back to it later. However, anyone who knows me and has seen me in action at these shows knows that it doesn't usually take me long to take out my cash or my check uh, to buy something from that very first walk around of every single aisle. And the reason why I'm bringing this up for every budget that's out there is because it could be a dollar or $2 card you pulled from a Jersey box. It could be a $20 card that you pulled from someone's assorted graded card, you know, box or shoot they have for sale. It could be that someone brought some sets and, you know, I didn't see a lot of sets out there. So believe me, if I saw something that I liked, I would not have hesitated. Um, the point is that going around the first time, you really want to try to do it as expeditiously as you can, but also taking notes so that you don't have to double back and do the same work again. But some of those items that you wanted to follow up on, on a secondary nature or tertiary nature, um, you know, they're not the, of the utmost or paramount importance, but they're still really important to you. Um, you could do that in a very methodical way. And so um, make no mistake about it. I'm hoping that as I go around that first time uh, at the convention, that I have to stop several times, um, but undoubtedly it doesn't it doesn't play out. I stop a few times um, to actually buy something, and then I strategically try to go back and buy more in the subsequent hours, or in this case uh, days, because I stayed at the convention on uh, Friday and Saturday. Afternoon, uh, Double E, Donald, Tom, thanks for joining in. Really appreciate you uh, watching Trading Card Therapy. This is our 13th episode. If you'd like, Please check out our other episodes wherever you enjoy your favorite podcasts on Apple, Spotify, all those wonderful places out there. So I'm going around and keeping in mind that I'm buying for myself as an individual. I'm buying for my company, Just Collect, and I'm also buying for my other company, Vintage Breaks. So I'm on the lookout for wax. I'm on the lookout for vintage sets and singles. I'm on the lookout for super cool things like that Kobe Bryant jersey card, which I could add to my collection. So it's not always about the flip. It's not always about the profit. It's about what catches my eye. And candidly, what do I think will not be there 
either in an hour or, you know, later that day when I'm done looking at the entire show. So this particular show um, is great, as I mentioned, because uh, it's annual in nature um, and they did not have the show last year. So they had folks there from auction houses like Heritage and Memory Lane. And if you missed it, please check me out on Instagram, Leighton underscore Sheldon, as I posted about a very special Babe Ruth rookie that Memory Lane has up for auction. I believe that auction starts today. So you can check them out at MemoryLaneInc.com. So I'm walking around the show, and the first card that I see that I have substantial interest in is this 1961 Fleer Babe Ruth PSA 8. I specifically left it, and I'm going to show our friends on IG, I specifically left it in the um, little plastic sleeve that was in uh, with the price that it was marked so that everyone could see what it was uh, put out for and what I ended up buying it for, which was not $650. And so I bought it from someone named Gary, who I've known for quite some time. Um, and it was just very, you know, in the right-hand corner, upper portion of the case, not front and center, anything of that nature. Um, and when I inquired about it, I knew that I was very interested, even at the price he had it listed for, because I had uh, familiarized myself with what was available publicly before the show, just in terms of certain Ruth cards. And I knew there wasn't a lot of 1960 Fleer and 1961 Fleer Babe Ruth PSA 8s that were available on eBay to, to be had, you know, to, to, to be bought. Um, and so I'm generally bullish on Ruth, as I've, uh, you know, said this a number of times, whether it be on Layton's Loft or on a Vintage Breaks podcast or episode um, or right here on Trading Card Therapy. Uh, and so um, I was surprised that not only there wasn't an example for sale, but that the last example had actually sold for like $482. So even though I still thought $650 was a pretty reasonable price, I thought there might be some flexibility from the seller standpoint because of what the card had sold for. And so I asked if um, he had any room. And I believe he said he did, but he was kind of waiting for me to um, make an offer. I don't remember exactly how it played out and I didn't film it as I was there by myself, but I know what I bought it for. And when ultimately I made him an offer, I explained to him that it wasn't coming from left field, but even though he didn't ask me what it had sold for on eBay and I wasn't trying to show him, oh, look at the comps, look at the comps. I wanted to make sure he understood where my offer was coming from. And so I offered him 500, uh, 500 bucks in cash uh, for the roof. And I think he had been looking for a little bit more, but ultimately we reached a deal and I was able to uh, buy this roof, which it's not going anywhere for a while. I did not have this in my collection. And, you know, a number of years ago, you probably could have bought this card for 250. Uh, but most Babe Ruth stuff, you know, of the vintage variety, even from the 60s, you know, uh, post his death has accumulated, you know, in price quite a bit in recent years. Uh, and so because I hadn't seen this card for sale very often, I decided to add it to, uh, you know, to my personal portfolio, if you will. So as I'm traveling uh, throughout the show, I bought some knickknacks, meaning um, that's one of the best things uh, about being a collector um, at a convention is you're literally going from, you know, one booth to another. And in essence, it could might as well just be another card store. So to have that all under one roof, uh, you know, especially just a few hours from my home and, you know, the entire staff from Just Collected Vintage Breaks didn't have to come up for this. And for those um, wondering, the main reason why we didn't do a big setup for the show is the internet is very, very bad there. Um, it's held in an auditorium that, you know, hasn't changed much since the 1980s. 
uh, meaning, you know, big cinder blocks, big cement walls. Uh, and so the, although you can hop on the internet on your phone, if you want to stream anything at all, I try to do a few IG lives with Heritage um, and Memory Lane from the show. Wasn't very successful in doing that. Uh, so I just went up there, um, shared a booth with a good buddy of mine, um, Joe, uh, and he sold a bunch of stuff. I put out a bunch of items for sale. Didn't sell very many of them, but certainly enjoyed the conversation and was able to buy a bunch uh, at the show. So, you know, as I'm traveling up and down the aisles and I'm making these mental notes to myself, I start to now accumulate some wax. I start to buy some graded cards. And what's amazing about the next card uh, that I'm going to show is I had saw this card on Friday, but the person whose table it was wasn't there and it wasn't priced. And, you know, I didn't have it on my radar to go back like, you know, 30 minutes later and check in with the owner. Um, and so if I could give you a bit of advice, if you're a seller at a convention is try to have a price on everything. Even if you have a little flexibility, many people kind of assume that even if you don't have flexibility, that's okay too. But you could cost yourself dearly in terms of not being able to convert on a sale if you don't do something as simple as have the prices on the front of your cards. Now, to be clear, I had prices on the front of my cards at the show, but as I've joked with several of my friends and, and collector buddies in the hobby, I'm not the easiest person to buy from. I'm very easy to sell to. I love to buy because I'm buying as a collector. I'm buying as a dealer. I'm buying as an investor. I'm buying as someone who runs a breaking company. And so for all those reasons, I love to buy. However, selling, I don't really love to sell cards because I like them too much. And so I don't really focus on it uh, that much. And in particular, uh, you know, at this show, I didn't really sell very much and just bought and bought a lot, uh, which was great. Also, what's great about coming to these shows as a collector with, you know, a limited budget of five or 10 bucks or 10 or 20 bucks or somewhere in that neighborhood is beyond just buying jersey cards. You know, people have dollar boxes, $2 boxes that they're not going and they're not calling them over every show from the last show to make sure that they're priced up to date. So, you know, you could have in there a rookie that's got hot. You could have a card that maybe it's just a nice shape and they're not someone who grades cards. And even though right now it's difficult to grade anything else other than something that's super expensive with the likes of PSA, for example, SGC is a great place to grade cards in the $30 range, meaning it costs $30 to grade a card. So maybe you found a card that you know, is 10 or 20 bucks, but in high grade might be a few hundred dollars. Well, if you have that plus 30 bucks, you might be able to turn that into a nice profit from, you know, walking around a show like the Shriners Auditorium. So uh, another, um, you know, great thing about uh, going to the show, especially early on, is that if you think about it, there's not an infinite amount of people that will be there at eight or nine in the morning. So you have such a competitive advantage, no matter what budget you have, because there are people, make no mistake about it, there's people that, you know, go through 50 cent dollar boxes. I heard someone saying to someone, another dealer to another dealer, I was at their booth, hey, I've already cleaned out all the sub $10 graded cards, meaning there's, you know, didn't matter who the graded card was. If it was less than 10 bucks, there was someone there or a group of people there that wanted to suck those up and buy those. You know, so there, there's a lot of value to being there early because you have your pick of the litter and no matter what your budget is, Make no mistake, there's going to be the best cards to buy at a buck or two, the best cards to buy at five or six bucks, the best cards to buy at 500 or 600, like that Babe Ruth. I know we only have a few minutes left uh, in our show today, and I wanted to talk about something that is absolutely 
vital to me and my travels as you know, I go to these shows, and that's the people. So a special shout out to Don, to Bergie, to uh, Joe White, or better, better known as Joey Yaps, Brian, Kevin, Levi, the list goes on and on. And then there's the folks that I don't know their names, but literally they've been selling the, uh, I call it, it's American Chop Suey, but I call it the goulash. It's basically elbow macaroni with meat sauce, but they've been selling the same thing there for the last like 18 years um, at the card show. And there's just something about going there and eating that and, you know, having your Pepsi or your bottle of water or your baby Ruth Snickers bar, you know, whatever you, your, your little thing is that you enjoy, you know, being out on the road, you know, that's all, that's all part of the card show experience for me. It's not just about buying cards. It's not just about, um, you know, what I could maybe flip or, or buy for my PC and what I think a good deal is. It's about living life. And so traveling up there, I was able to hit some grinders, right? There, I was able to eat some American chop suey. And then Eddie V's was so good, and I was disappointed that I missed out on eating dinner with a buddy, that I took my buddy Joe to dinner there on Friday night, and I went back to Eddie V's. So I had a really great trip uh, eating-wise, and then I went back to the show on Saturday. And some of you may ask, why did I leave the show on Saturday afternoon? I had a number of people ask me that at the show. And the truth be told is that I could professionally look for baseball cards as a treasure hunter seven days a week. I get texts, I get calls, I get emails seven days a week. And my uh, wife, um, who's an attorney in Manhattan, has a big uh, trial coming up this week. So shout out to my lovely wife, Julie. I'm sure she's kicking ass at it. But I knew that Crosby didn't have a lot of, you know, TLC from mommy and daddy over the weekend. And so I just planned to make sure I could be home uh, with him. And we made the best of our Sunday. Uh, we ended up uh, buying season tickets or season passes, Great Adventures, having a wonderful sale right now. You buy them now, they're good till the end of next year. So even though my wife couldn't join us, I took Crosby for the day to Great Adventure. And we, I mean, we did everything. And there's plenty of things we didn't do, but we had a great time. And so my point is, getting back to the show, I had that to look forward to coming home on Saturday night. So I really tried to make the most I could out of every minute at the show. And speaking of which... Closing today, I wanted to let you know of my last major purchase at the show. Well, check this beauty out. This is the Joe Namath rookie that I saw on Friday that I didn't go back for, that didn't have a price on the front, but I saw again on Saturday. So I asked the price and I said, I need to see it under better light, which he knew I was serious. I said, I don't know if you need my license. And, no, no, I know who you are. Great. So I took it to my booth. It's got to be the nicest, well-centered PSA five and a half I've ever seen of a Joe Namath rookie. And this is the kind of card where as long as I knew the price was reasonable, I was going to buy it. And it was on the verge of being reasonable slash expensive. But I also know it didn't matter if that card's a six. That card looks like a six, and it's centered well enough to be a six. It didn't really matter to me that it was a five and a half, and has phenomenal eye appeal. So I don't always focus on the exact numerical grade. I focus on how the card hits me. And it might sound corny or hokey, but it's the truth. Because I can tell you firsthand, folks, I did not set out to buy a Joe Namath rookie precisely graded a PSA five and a half at the show this weekend. However, when opportunity presents itself, hard work allows you to take a shot at an opportunity like this. 
I cannot say what I paid for it because the gentleman asked me specifically not to. Maybe trying to indicate to me he was giving me a better deal. Or maybe he did, maybe he didn't. But I definitely paid up for it. It's a beaut and it's not going anywhere. So what's really great about the card show is I bought a few cards from my collection that were 50 bucks and under. I bought several cards from my collection that were over a thousand bucks. And I bought some things for Crosby that are priceless. And with that, all of the memories and all the good eats today, believe it or not, is episode number 13. And that's all she wrote. Trading card therapy. I'm the doctor. Yours truly, Leighton Sheldon. Sincerely appreciate you tuning in today. Thanks.